basically, do you realize the importance of getting in the Bible? And we think about theology and doctrine. It's just learning all about the Bible you possibly can. Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where it's our goal to help Christians love and live out God's Word. If you're watching to our channel on YouTube or listening on Apple or Spotify, we'd like to ask you to subscribe or follow to help us reach more people with biblical content. I'm Pastor Aaron Nicholson. I'm with Pastor Jesse Randolph. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Harold Berry. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Berry. Thank you, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Jesse. Good to be with you. It's great to have you. Our topic today is why should I study theology? So we figure we'd bring a theologian on to help us discuss that topic. If you don't know Dr. Barry, uh, he is the former professor of Bible and Greek at Grace University of Omaha. He served many years as a personal assistant to Theodore Epp of Back to the Bible. He has a Master of Theology degree from Dallas Theological Seminary, a Doctor of Divinity from Grace University, and better than those degrees, he is a follower of Jesus Christ, and he loves the Lord God and his Savior, Jesus Christ. So Amen. praise the Lord for that. <laughs> I can testify to that one, especially I've gotten to know Dr. Barry, especially in the last maybe six to eight months or so. Uh, we've had coffee many times, and I've heard how the Lord has just worked through you and used you in, in various ways. Um, so encouraged by your, your ministry through Back to the Bible and at Grace University. But uh, what I'm really encouraged to hear about is just how you have that personal devotional love for Jesus Christ and how you love to share your relationship with him. So if Harold, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your backstory, your testimony, um, how you came to know Christ in the first place, and then maybe weave into that, you know, how the Lord used you vocationally at Back to the Bible at Grace in, in, in more recent years, and what he's doing through you now. Thank you. I'd be glad to. When I was a young person, and I don't know what age, but my folks allowed me to go to a summer camp. Grew up in South Central Iowa. Well, it was there that I heard the message of salvation, and I knew that I needed to trust in Christ, and I walked across the stage into the back room, and whoever dealt with me, I don't know who he was, and he doesn't know who I was Mm. at that time. He doesn't know if I went on with the Lord or not. So that just shows me our ministry is one of faith with everybody. We just plant the seed. Only God can change hearts. I'm back to my home church, and they didn't follow me up, but we got a pastor that came from Northwestern Bible College in Minneapolis. Billy Graham was the president at that time. And then he taught me various things and even got me to preaching while I was in high school. So I have been teaching and preaching the Bible for over 70 years. I should be better at it by now. (laughs) (laughs) But anyhow— Then he recommended I go to Bible school, and I hadn't even heard of a Bible school, but he took me up to Northwestern, and Billy Graham had just stepped down in the spring of 52 when I went in the fall of 52. Well, it was there that I met my wife, and so that's been a long story, and I want to share that later, but it was just four years at Northwestern, then I got ordained to the gospel ministry at 22 years of age, then went directly to Dallas Seminary for four years. And there I had the privilege of studying under these men. When you see pictures of them and they look so young, (laughs) that's what they looked like when I was there. (laughs) I was there in 1956 and so to 1960. So it was just, then I wanted to, I thought it'd be good to work on a master's of uh, history, 
which would fit into a teaching. So he came to Lincoln to work on that at the university. But after going one semester, and I had a child that was a year old at the time, working part-time I re- and paying twice the tuition, I realized if I dropped out for a semester, I could go back for half the price. Mm. Then I was attending a church, and the secretary was working it back to the Bible, and I needed a job, and she said, well, I know they need another counselor to answer mail at Back to the Bible. So I went there, talked to them. They took me on, and I wound up staying 16 years. And it was the last, from 69 on, I was a personal assistant to Theodore Epp. And 69 is an important date at Indian Hills. That's mm-hmm. when Gil Rue came. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, then what I would do for Mr. Epp was he would preach, and it would be on tape. The secretary then would type up this message he gave, and then I would sit there with a manuscript in front of me with a dictating machine. You know, on a radio message, you'd say, well, yesterday we talked about so-and-so. Well, you just read that in the book, so you don't need that. And then other points I'd help to make stronger or weaker, whichever (laughs) was necessary. And then I did that, and he was producing such large series, and he said, I just— get so weary from these long series, so I think you need to look for other employment. Well, Bob Benton, Robert Benton, was president of Grace College of the Bible at the time. Whenever we get together for Dallas alumni events, because he was a year ahead of me both at Northwestern and at Dallas Seminary, and then I recommended him to my home church. Then he left for Grace Theological Seminary and got his Old Testament doctorate. Well, whenever I'd see him, he'd say, if you're ever looking for a job, come here first. Well, it was easy for me then to transfer to them. And so I spent 24 years, 19 years full-time, where I taught Old Testament survey, law and history in the fall, poetry and prophecy in the spring, and then taught prophecy, Pentecost book, Things to Come, for a full 19 years. And then I also taught first and second year Greek. And then they did not have a Greek teacher after that, so I stayed another five just part-time teaching first and second year Greek. Mm -hmm. So I've blessed that the ministries I've had as I look back and I think, wow, did I really do that? Mm -hmm. God has been so good to give me not only ministries, but friends like you people here. Wow. What what an awesome long-term ministry. Did I hear you say you've been teaching the Bible 70 years? (laughs) Well, I started when I was in high school. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm 89 now, so... <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, that is um, such a wonderful goal and a wonderful thing, and and I know you've blessed so many people, men, mm-hmm. with your ministry. If we could ask you just some basic questions for our listeners about maybe some things you've come across in your studies, uh, we want to talk about theology. We want to ask you just for a, first a definition of theology, and then why? Why should people study theology? The Greek word for God is theos. So when you study theology, you're studying the science of or the study of God. And so it's something that when I was at Dallas, I majored in systematic theology. So it's not only knowing what the Bible teaches, but arranging it in a systematic pattern. And I was blessed to have professors there that taught me well. I had Charles Ryrie one year before he left to become president of another seminary, and then he came back to Dallas later, and when I was considering working on an earned doctorate, I went down, and he was the one that was part of interviewing me and agreed for me to come, but I never went. <laughs> so, And I should have gone because now, you know, you could not teach in a Bible college without an earned doctorate. Mm-hmm. 
And so, but it's when I was leaving in 2001 from Grace that they gave me the honorary doctorate. But that training that I've had, and I was in systematic theology, I'm on the board at Back to the Bible. In fact, I'm in my 41st year on the board at Back to the Bible. And I've mentioned sometimes that, you know, if we were an evangelistic ministry, all we'd need to be clear on is evangelism. How do you become right with God? Well, they use the Bible as they teach, just like Billy Graham did, but still it's basically how do you become right with God? But we are a Bible-teaching ministry. It was an international radio ministry. People loved it, but they wouldn't support it. And one time I just brought up, and we're like the farmer who won the lottery, and they asked, what are you going to do with all that money? He said, I think I'll just keep farming till it's gone. <laughs> well, is that what we're going to do with radio? <laughs> just keep doing that because it was so expensive to do so. Right now, we're just a digital technology. It goes out to smartphones around the world. I had the privilege of writing for Back to the Bible, so that's really an honor for me to be able to do that. I just think it's fascinating listening to you share uh, how much you've seen <laughs> and how much change you've seen, right? Mm -hmm. So from dictation machines, you mentioned earlier, to, to radio being prominent, to now digital media, like we you said, Back to the Bible is on our phones now. Uh, when we have 89-year-old guests like you who have faithfully walked with the Lord, we get to hear so much of how the Lord has uh, done His work through various means. And then to hear you talk about having class with Charles Ryrie, I mean, goodness, yes. we, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> I have Charles that. Ryrie as an author On in the books shelf. I'm required to read, but yeah, you have the source. That's yeah, neat. that's so great. And I highly recommend his book, Basic Theology, because he just emphasized so much about central passages that you need to know about the different doctrines in the scripture. Yeah, it's very that's concise. Excellent book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Harold, to the, the Christian? You've defined theology, the study of theology, mm -hmm. the science of God, for instance. What would you say to the Christian that says, I just don't have the time. I, I'm busy with taking kids to practice or school or, or busy with you know, keeping my lawn looking green enough and all, all, all the reasons people say, I don't have time to, to study theology. What would your response be? Well, that is a key reason that Back to the Bible has changed its ministry. Because when Dr. Woodrow Kroll was with us as our main Bible teacher, he used to be the head of the Bible department at Liberty University, and they had so many students, they would have to give them an elementary test to see which category should they place them in. And he discovered that what I discovered teaching at Grace, these students are coming from good homes and good churches, but so many of them cannot pass an elementary test. Mm. I think the reason for that is, just think of it, Aaron, as you sit in church and listen to Pastor Jesse, what if somebody stuck a paper in front of you and said, now write the answers to these questions? Mm -hmm. That's different, you know, than just sitting there listening. Yeah. So that was just so important. So now what we're doing is trying to reach people who are engaged in the Bible less than four times a week because our research has shown unless you're engaged in the Bible, we don't set a time you have to be there, but either reading it or listening to it at least four times a week, then your lifestyle is really not much different than a person not reading the Bible at all. So that's our ministry now is trying to reach those people and even emphasizing young people as we have our outreach. Can I ask you more too about what does the impact of theology have on a person's life? I mean, you're talking about reaching people who don't read the Bible often. What's your end goal? I mean, what's, what's the end goal for that listener? Well, the Bible was never given just to give information. 
Just think, there's people that know a lot more Bible verses than we do. That doesn't mean they're saved. You have to trust in Jesus Christ. So it's a changed life that is the greatest testimony, I think. And so you've read the Bible. Do you believe the Bible? And so I just think that if you're not in it, you think you're too busy now, well, there are short spots you can get by listening. And what we've done with the algorithms is if you have a particular habit that's a problem, you can have a verse sent to you at a time when you think it might be a particular temptation, and that verse might help change your thinking at that point. So there's various technology that are helpful, but it's basically, do you realize the importance of getting in the Bible? And we think about theology and doctrine. It's just learning all about the Bible you possibly can. So get in the Gospels, learn about Jesus, and then go on to Acts and other books. I really appreciate what you've said a couple of times now. You, we're asking you questions about theology and doctrine, and you're continually bringing it back to the Bible. So oftentimes those two wrongly can be divorced, where we, we start thinking about theology as a subject or a, a, an independent subject of study that is to be detached from the Bible. But as we know, all sound theology is driven from the Bible, derives from the Bible, and as much as we might ask, how much theology must one know, you keep coming back to, well, how much Bible are you in? And mm-hmm. how much Bible are you reading? And, and then importantly, how much Bible are you living out? Um, so that's just great to hear you bridge that gap for us and make sure that we're not setting up an artificial construct in our mind between theology and the Bible. The Bible is the foundation, the source of our theology. All good theology derives from the Bible. So um, thank you for clarifying that. How would you... Uh, Harold, help a Christian listening to our podcast today guard against, and you've already alluded to this a little bit, guard against purely intellectual Christianity. So you're a man who has uh, written books, you're a man who's taught in, in a seminary Bible college type classroom setting, uh, you, you have risen to the highest level of kind of academic theology, you could say, but how do we as Christians make sure we don't, we don't confuse head knowledge, academic information, even degrees? with being truly biblically literate and biblically faithful? Well, some will ask about the difference of intellect and the heart. And I'm not the right person for you to talk to if you've been preaching about that. <laughs> because of the different words for the body, mind, soul, and spirit, body, soul, and spirit, well, the most popular is the word heart. But the heart in the Bible does not mean what we mean by the heart. When we talk about the heart, it's a seat of emotions. Mm -hmm. In the Bible, it was not. In fact, the King James had this right. Paul in Philippians said, I long for you in the bowels of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It was the lower viscera or the bowels that was the seat of emotion in Bible times. So I think, not to confuse the two, you either believe something or you don't believe something. And if you believe it, it's going to make a difference in your life. And if there's no difference in your life— that's the indication you really don't believe what you've said. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's very helpful. Um, looking back on the years of ministry that, that you've had, which biblical doctrines are closest to your heart, the things you believe in? Well, the word doctrine, one time I was in a prayer meeting, and the pastor was teaching about this. And since I have a background in Greek, he said, Harold, tell the people what doctrine means. Well, I didn't want to ruin his message, but I said, it's just the basic word for teaching. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're going to have doctrine, you have to have a doctor. 
the word doctor means teacher. So it's just that I see it as absorbing what the Bible says, and you can call that doctrine. I think it's because when people wanted to make it sound more official and binding, then they called it doctrine rather than just teaching. Mm. But it all has to be based on the Scriptures, and if not, well then, I like to ask the question sometimes when people will bring up things, where do you get that in the Bible? Or if they ask me, and I, I will say, well, if the Bible doesn't say, I don't think I should say either. So, But it's the basic teaching in the Scriptures, and as I say, I've taught for so many years the books of the Bible, and just uh, thrilling to learn how it applies to everyday living. And with all the students I've had contact with, that's been the main thing they have said is how practical the, even the Old Testament was to their lives. And I would sometimes tell my students, I teach as an excuse to get involved in your life. <laughs> and because of that, they love me and have loved me. I have Harold's uh, Herald that I send out to people, and I have over 400 addresses on that. Most I know both husband and wife. I send it out by blind copies so addresses are not exposed. But when I think of all the friends I have, it's just I thank the Lord for that because he's been so gracious to me in that regard. Hmm. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, I love that. Your life is centered around teaching. God's used you in that. Uh, like your quote, you use teaching to, as a way to get involved in someone's life. I mean, that's that's a sign of a great teacher in my mind. So praise Absolutely. the Lord. I, I do have another question for you, Harold. What would you, you know, our, our audience is made up of folks who live in different parts of the country. A lot of them are here, Lincoln, Omaha area. Uh, but they're in different parts of the country and world, different age groups, different backgrounds, uh, largely a Christian audience. Um, what would you say to the person who's listening who's 30 years old? You know, they're, they're, they're close to 50 years behind you in the race. What would you say to them about the, just persevering in the faith and, and staying on course? And what advice would you give to the 30-year-old believing listener about how to run the race well? I would say have appreciation for what Christ has done for you and quit worrying about what you can do for him. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. And because of that, as you think about your sins, you should be so thankful that he loved you so much he did that. Now, just seek to please him in everything you do. Mm -hmm. Keep him first in your life. Not making other things, pleasures or whatever, be first. It's Christ that has to be first because he's the only one who has died for you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I got one more That's question helpful. for you now. Okay. Because I know you have something you've called a 30-second testimony that you share with as often as you can with whoever you can share it with. So if there's somebody listening here today who is not a believer, who is not trusted in Jesus Christ, what would you say to them? Let me tell you how I use this. You know, usually making a business call, they'll always ask at the end, anything else? And I will say yes. And I started with 30 seconds, but, Pastor, I've gone to 40 seconds now. I run over two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. But I've, I'll tell the person, and I do this also when I travel. If I have a wheelchair, that's a captive audience for me to tell this testimony to. And so just every opportunity uh, to share this. And I tell them, let me tell you about my wife who passed away about four years ago. In fact, next month it will be four years then I start, I've asked the person for the, his or her name, and then I start in. I say, when we were young, we both knew that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for us, so we trusted him as Savior. We met in Bible college after she was a registered nurse, so she also had four years of Bible college. 
We were married for 65 years, telling others about Jesus and how to get ready for eternity. And when it was her time to pass away, she was at complete peace about meeting Jesus face to face. I will say the person's name and then add, I hope it will be the same for you when your time comes, because someday we will all meet Jesus face to face, either as our Savior or as our judge. That's 40 seconds. Amen. And if they... It, usually, if they're a believer, they'll be responsive to that. If they're not and just stare at me, I figure I have planted the seed for them to think about. That's right. God right. can use it. We can't convert anybody. Only God can do that. I love that you're ready to share. After a, a sales call or a sales pitch, or, or I'm sure you just have that conversation with others on the street, too. And I'm on a mission now to get people to do this. Just think how long I've been an ordained minister. But you don't have to be ordained to do this. You just have to love Jesus. Uh, the greatest testimony is a changed life. I've done this for so many years, so over the years my testimony has changed. But this is what it is now because of my wife's death. But on the other hand, when I go to a motel, and by the way, if you're going to leave a testimony, you better leave a nice tip. <laughs> but I will write a note, thank the housekeeping for keeping the room neat and clean, I hope you will have a long and prosperous life, but someday we'll all be in eternity. And then I start in with my go. testimony. Yeah. And so I've done that. And so, but tell people the difference Jesus has made in your life. I think if I was talking to a person involved in evangelism for his church, I would say you need to start at the young age for those who've trusted in Jesus, get them to develop something they can compose and then memorize so they can say this whenever time comes. And as their life changes over time, well, they'll have additional things that can be said. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we, we do have to point people to eternity, point to the fact that we are all going to die someday. Our lives are short, but eternity is forever. Um, at some point, we do need to share the good news of Jesus Christ, yes. that Jesus Christ loves them. He died on the cross for them. He rose again. If we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. Right. Praise God. Well, thank you again for your ministry and for your time this morning on the Sound Words podcast. If you're listening or watching, we again ask you to subscribe to our channel or follow on Apple or Spotify and share this episode with others if you found it helpful. Pastor Jesse, anything else? The final word, as always, goes to God and His Word in 2 Timothy 1.13, where Paul says to Timothy, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening.